We're going to be looking at slugs and ants. It's not a science class tonight. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, we're going to be looking at what God has to say uh, about uh, diligent work, the work of a man. So we're going to be looking at uh, diligence in all of life tonight. Now, if we're honest, there's, um, there's a little sluggard inside all of us, I think, uh, whether it's uh, it, when it comes to our work and getting up in the morning or going in the middle of the night and going to work and uh, our place of employment and all the responsibilities that we have there under our bosses, whether it's in our homes and all the responsibilities that we have there, if you have a garden or a home or a porch or a car to take care of and maintain, uh, whether it's uh, paying the bills and making sure uh, that you're overseeing all the money coming in and, and going out, uh, whether it's uh, relating to your wife or your children and shepherding them and leading them to Christ, and whether it's just all of the other in-between stuff that, that happens in a family or in, a, in any home. Or even when it comes to the church and our ministry within the church, whether you're leading a ministry or partaking and helping uh, in any given ministry of Redeemer Bible Church, or even in your own uh, attendance or worship uh, and faithfulness to the gathering of the saints, whether it's on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday like tonight, or if it's just um, being hospitable to one another or um, building friendships within the church. A lot of things in life take work. Uh, it, everything good in life it requires work. It doesn't come for free. Uh, just as we looked on Sunday, how everything good is, is worth the wait. Uh, so also, everything that is good in life is worth the effort, worth the work. And yet still, with all of these incentives and good things that uh, come on the other side of work, whether it's a paycheck or a raise, or if it's a good marriage, uh, har harmony in the household, a nice car that runs well, um, uh, uh, a thriving ministry, uh, a healthy church, or uh, good relationships, whatever the good is, that is on the other side as almost like an, an incentive to do the work, whatever it might be, still, for, for whatever reason, uh, and we know what that is, it's our flesh. Because of our, our sinful flesh, we don't want to do the hard work that's required, right? Um, I hope I'm not alone. Um, so what do we do? What do we do with this sluggard mentality, with this lazy uh, approach to life and responsibilities of life. Well, I want to read a quote. It's kind of a long quote, but it's really good. Ray Ortland Jr. tells us in his book on uh, the Proverbs, what should the slugger do? He says, go to the ant and take notes. How humiliating, he says. The sluggard would not mind learning from John Calvin, maybe, or Jonathan Edwards. The sluggard likes to debate and speculate and, and 
throw back and forth lofty ideas around with his theological buddies. But wisdom is telling us, no, go watch an ant. I do not know anyone with a PhD in antology. And we all want to study big, important things. And it is doubly humbling to go to a ant school because, well, the reality is the Hebrew word for ant is in the feminine gender. But we guys need this because we are too often passive. Ray Ortland Jr. goes on to say, we are so accustomed to being wait and see or hang back or critical and guarded that we do not even feel the shame of it anymore. A church filled with men energized, men working, men engaged, men with intensity, men with conviction and action. That is exactly what the world needs us, needs to see in us today. But to display Christ that strongly, he says, we need to humble ourselves and admit our need and accept God's simple remedy. It is so humbling that we, whom God created to rule over all creation, need to go and learn how to live from an ant. So God knows how to put us in our place, doesn't he? So before we look at the ant, we want to first look at tonight uh, the sluggard. The sluggard. Now this comes, this word is all over uh, the book of Proverbs. And uh, the word sluggard uh, appears often. And in our passage that we're going to be looking at, Proverbs 26, verse 13 to 16, it occurs in every single verse. Now it doesn't mean, if we're looking at ants, it doesn't mean a literal slug. Uh, but it, it, the word sluggard means someone who is slow in action, like a slug. That's why it's called a slug. Uh, it's because it comes from the word sluggard. So sluggard comes first, slug comes later. Uh, the, the, the word for sluggard means, again, slow in action, or even not moving at all, or delaying in moving. So slow in action, no action, or slow to act. And uh, what we're going to see here in this passage is this kind of downward spiral. I'm going to read it for us. Proverbs 26, 13 to 16, and see if you can pick out the uh, downward spiral of, of these verses. The sluggard says, There is a fierce lion in the road. A lion is among the streets. Verse 14, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. And then 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too wary to return it to his mouth. And verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can respond with a discreet answer. So here, just a, a, a high view of, of this passage is there's this downward spiral that we see from bad to worse uh, is the way that the sluggard is laid out before us. 
If you notice in verse 13, the sluggard is unable to leave his house, right? There's a, there's a lion in the streets. And so he stays home. But then in 14, it's, it, it gets even worse. Where the sluggard is not only not able to leave the house, but he's not able to leave his bed or his couch in some translations. And then, in ver- as if that's not enough, uh, verse 15, now he's unable to even raise his hand. Where he buries his hand in the dish, but he's so tired, he's so weary that he can't even lift up his hand to eat. And then lastly, as if those things weren't enough, that he couldn't leave his house, leave his bed, or even raise his hand to feed himself. Now in verse 16, he's unable even to receive correction, though it be perfect correction from God. Now, this passage is presented in a, uh, it's presented in a comical way. Uh, it, it, it's, um, in a sense, tongue-in-cheek. It's meant to be kind of like a tragic comedy. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a tragic comedy movie. They're out there. They're not very fun to watch. They're dark. It's dark humor. Uh, but uh, if you've ever heard of a rom-com, romantic comedy, maybe your wives, uh, if you're married, it knows uh, or forces you to watch those movies, or maybe you watch them. I don't know. No judgment here. <laughs> but um, a romantic comedy is, you know, it, it, it's it's you know, there's there's a mix of both, uh, where it's it's funny, there's funny moments, but overall, it's 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 a romantic movie. That's the whole. That's the that's the main story. Here, it's a tragic comedy. So there's, there's uh, spurts of uh, wit and comedy here to kind of grab our attention, to make it seem so extremely silly and foolish that it, it makes us laugh at this caricature. But the overall theme is one of tragedy, where uh, we should not just laugh at what happens, but be saddened by what we see uh, in the life of the sluggard, and want to uh, stay as far away from that as possible. So, this tragic comedy uh, is designed really to shame the sluggard, as well as repel us away from this kind of lifestyle. So tonight, uh, from for the first point here, as we look at the sluggard, we want to look at uh, five patterns that the wise man should avoid if he is to avoid being a sluggard. Five patterns that you should avoid, men. Five patterns of the sluggard to guard your heart and your life from. First of all, first of all, a pattern of excuses. A pattern of excuses. This is from uh, the first verse, Proverbs 26, 13. Can I have somebody read that for us, please? The sluggard says there is a, a fierce lion in the road, a lion among the streets. All right, so what we see here is uh, this is presented as something wrong. This is not how to respond. This is, you're not... You're not given here a model to follow. You're given here a model or a pattern to avoid. So, whatever the sluggard is saying is wrong, is the wrong way to respond. 
Uh, there's a parallel passage in Proverbs 22:13. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. That shows a little bit more of the fear. But it's the same thing in our passage. Uh, there's a fierce lion in the road, a lion among the streets. And of course, it's obvious the fear is, I'll be killed out there if I go outside. Now, one commentator says that uh, in ancient Israel... There were tons of lions. Lions were all over the place, uh, but um, it, it, it was common. It wasn't a rare thing. But it was, it was mainly, if, we, if you look at uh, Psalm 104, verse 20 and 21, we're not going to go there, but um, that's an example where the lions, they come out, but they come out at night. They don't come out in the middle of the day, and they certainly don't uh, come out uh, into the city. So lions are common, were common in ancient Israel, but not in the cities, and certainly not in broad daylight, in the middle of the streets, uh, in, in, in the fortified plazas that were filled with soldiers and men and merchants and crowds. So the idea here is, you know, if there's danger outside, then run towards it, though there is nobility and courage and honor in that, and that's, that's why there are firemen, policemen, and, and what have you, soldiers. And so also, if there is danger, uh, men, I, I hope that you're not sending your wife uh, to go find out what that noise is in the middle of the night. That's your job as protector. Uh, so you should not say there is a fierce lion or what's that noise in the middle of the night and send your wife. That's your job. Now, for sluggards, what's being presented here is there is no idea that is too eccentric or, or outlandish to keep them from laboring. The idea here is when there's an opportunity to work, the sluggard will look for and even generate uh, whatever excuse he can in order to avoid his responsibilities. Uh, this, this here is an irrational fear, one commentator says. It's an irrational fear. It's a fear of failure. It's the fear of being mocked or ridiculed uh, for taking the lead. It's a fear of being on your own or to stand out uh, among your peers. Whatever the fear might be, it must not hold you back from your responsibilities, wherever that might be. Uh, rather than embrace the challenge of life, the sluggard dreams up excuses. That's the, that's the problem here. Instead of, uh, of saying, there's a fierce lion in the road, let me go and kill it and uh, protect others, uh, the sluggard uses danger or even potential danger as a reason to not go forward with his obligations before God. So what does this look like? Well, uh, not applying or not asking for a promotion or raise at work. 
not accepting uh, more responsibility at work, even if you don't get uh, a pay increase. Saying, no, I don't want to take on that responsibility because then, then if I mess up, then, then you know, that's, that's it. Or I'm just afraid of, of looking like a fool. If I take on this responsibility that is new and I, and I, and I mess it up, then they're never going to ask me again. That's, that's just another way of saying there's a fierce line in the road. A line is among the streets. It's, it's worrying about what you cannot control in order to shirk your responsibilities. And this happens at home too, doesn't it? It happens at home where we assume that uh, we can't fix uh, a problem or uh, we have children that are rebellious or in need of discipline in some way. And uh, it's a difficult task. And it's a task that we feel that we're not up for. And so we tell our wives to discipline our children when we ought to be the ones to be the primary discipline uh, agents in the home. It is this attitude of, you know what, I'm, I can't do it. Let's find somebody else. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4, uh, sheds some more light on this. It says, it says, The sluggard does not plow from winter on, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. So as, sooner, as soon as winter comes, the sluggard doesn't plow. He doesn't uh, face difficulty. He throws in the towel too easily. As soon as there's opposition, as soon as there is, whether it's from people or from circumstance, the sluggard throws in the towel and says, you know what, that's just too much. That's too hard. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even try. I shouldn't go forward. Winter or not, difficulty or not, Men, we are called to uh, work hard at work, to be a testimony of Christ for the gospel. We're called to lead our homes, provide for our homes, uh, shepherd them spiritually. We're called to serve in the church. All these excuses that, that we might have are nothing more than the pattern of the sluggard, the pattern of excuses. Now, the second pattern is a pattern of comfort. A pattern of comfort. Now this comes from a, a verse, I think that we might be familiar with, Proverbs 26, verse 14. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. Now, it's very visual, right? All of these things are very visual pictures, and we can see it, and uh, it, it's comical. Because... A door is made to turn on its hinge. That's where it belongs. Uh, a door that doesn't turn on its hinge is broken, right? Uh, yet the man is not made to be anchored or tethered to his bed or couch, whatever your translation is. Whether it's bed or couch or lazy boy, right? Or uh, phone, whatever it might be, uh, you, you are not made to be tethered to that. And so the sluggard 
turning like on a hinge. It, it's the idea of going from one side of, the, of, you know, sleeping on one side to sleeping on the other side. And you wake up and you spend too long in bed and so you're, you're, that side gets sore. And so you don't get up, you just turn to the other side, right? And then that side gets sore and you don't get up, right? That's the, your body telling you, get up, do something. And, but you don't, so you just turn to the other side and wait for that side to get sore. It's turning back and forth on your bed or your couch, like on a hinge. Brothers, if, if you're in pain because you've been sitting too long, that's God using your body to tell you, get up and do something. The man is not made to be hinged or uh, connected to his bed or his couch the way a door is made to be connected to the, to, to the frame what this is talking about is your comfort zone. Whatever is comfortable. So, I mean, of course, here physically and very practically, it's, it could be your bed. Maybe that's your issue. As, as you know, you have that little sluggard with inside you, maybe, that, maybe your inner sluggard is, is the one that doesn't want to get up out of bed or get up off of the couch or get up off of the lazy boy. It's, that's your comfort zone. But your comfort zone may be, you know, your friends on a Sunday afternoon after service, where it's just every single Sunday, you just go back to the same old friends, and, and, you, and it's nice, and it's comfortable there, but then there's a new person that you don't know their name, you don't know their life story, but, but it's, it's, it's comfortable here, and that's outside of my comfort zone, so I'll just stay here. And I'll just maybe go from this friend to maybe I have a family member in church, so I'll go to my family member. All the while, this other new person, this visitor, is alone. That is not the way that the church should be. We shouldn't be a kind of people that are, uh, are remaining inside our comfort zones. The word hospitality in the New Testament means a friend of strangers. So you are to be a friend of strangers. Get out of your comfort zone, brothers, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, get out of your comfort zone uh, on a Sunday or a Saturday morning or whatever day you have off. Get up and go do another kind of work. Uh, you know, your Saturdays or your, whatever your day off is, it's good to rest and to recharge. But we were made to work. And so the best way, one of the best ways to recharge is to do just a different kind of work. Do a different kind of work. Get out of your comfort zone. Try something new, whether it's a hobby or uh, an endeavor, whatever it might be, a new book to read, whatever, uh, a new discipline, whatever it might be. Uh, take it on. Get out of your comfort zone. Don't go turning from one side to the other in your comforts, whether it's physical or spiritual. Uh, this is interesting, talking about the same idea of, of comfort. Uh, Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is enriched. 
So the soul of the sluggard craves, right? It, it wants, it wants, uh, but it doesn't get anything. Why? Because he's a sluggard. Because he doesn't do anything to get what he wants. So this is to say, you know, maybe you're in your comfort zone and you want to get outside of your comfort zone. You want something better for yourself. You want something better for your family. You want something better for your children. You want something better for your ministry or for your church. You want something better at work. And you want and you want and you want. But that's not enough. Just to really want something is useless. If all you do is just talk about how much you want something, you're still following the pattern of the slugger, the, the pattern of comfort. So craving something, and no matter how zealous that craving is, if, if you're not doing anything about it, you're still practicing foolishness and not wisdom. And so brothers, get past just wanting and see and ask yourself, okay, if I want this so bad, what am I willing to do to get it? All right, uh, the next pattern, third pattern, is a pattern of defeat. A pattern of defeat. This is from, again, Proverbs 26, but verse 15 says that the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too weary to return it to his mouth. Again, a, kind of a comical Way of saying it is it seems so silly. I mean, this is this reminds me of of you know little uh, baby children, right? That are in their high chair and they're just you know they skipped a nap maybe and they're just trying to eat. Have you ever seen these these videos or seen that in in, in real life? It's it's hilarious. You know, you have a baby and 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 uh, they're able to feed feed themselves, but they're so tired that they just are chewing and like dozing off and trying to, you know, eat and then eventually their face ends up in the food. It's, it's, it's cute and funny when it's a baby, but when it's a grown man, a sluggard, it's not so cute, is it? It's not funny. It's actually a tragedy. Here, it, it says that he buries his hand in the dish, so he's talking about getting food, but he is too weary to return it to his mouth. This idea of weariness is not necessarily physical weariness. Uh, the commentators, uh, theologians agree that the weariness here is more mental and spiritual fatigue. It's mental and spiritual fatigue is what's being addressed. It, it, it's it's uh, as Walke, Bruce Walke, really good commentator on the Old Testament, especially in uh, Psalms and Proverbs and the wisdom literature. Bruce Walke says uh, that um, what's happening here is the very thought of work, the very thought of work is exhausting to the sluggard. That's, that's the pattern of defeat. You're all, you've already lost before you've even gotten going. And even when you, you know, get up enough energy to, to put your hand to the work, to, to bury your hand in the dish, you give up halfway through. And again, even if there is obvious good or obvious reward, 
beyond the work, right? If the slugger can just raise his hand to his mouth, he'll eat something, and, and, and it's probably pretty good to, and delightful to eat. And, and, but, and so there, even, even if there's obvious good and reward, if you just get through and follow through with the work, it's just too much. It's just too much for the sluggard. So here we see this pattern of the feet is really that the, the, the sluggard will not finish things. He doesn't see things all the way through. He gives up, he throws in the towel, he waves the white flag when things get hard or as soon as he starts to break a sweat, physical or spiritual. Ray Orland Jr. says he does not stick with a task all the way through to a strong finish. He is a shallow person, a shallow person. There's not much, much depth to your diligence and uh, your fortitude to get the job done. So men, if, if, you, if that's you, I, I encourage you to see how silly this, this is and, and, and to look past the work, look past the labor and to see that if you could just follow through, there's good on the other side. So don't give up halfway through. Don't throw in the towel, men. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're uh, uh, talking with your wife uh, or with your significant other, if you're trying to work through a conflict, men, don't just throw in the towel and say, forget it, forget it. You know, I tried to state my case, forget it. I'm not, not going to win with you. Don't say that. You're giving up. That's the pattern of defeat. You are called to lead that conversation. And so see that conversation all the way through to a resolved, a reconciled end. Same thing with any other project. I mean, this can be so simple as just, uh, you know, renovating that car or, or uh, uh, getting your car in working order or fixing that hole in the wall from start to finish, patching it all the way to paint, Right? Uh, following the job all the way through. It's, it's in the little things, but it's also in the big things. There was a question in the back? No? Okay. Uh, one thing to help you see the outside perspective of what this looks like, if this is you at work, you got to fight against this being, uh, being like this at work. Because it says in Proverbs 10.26, like vinegar to the teeth, and like smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. So the, the imagery here is you have a sluggard and you have some authority over that sluggard. And that authority figure where there's a boss, let's say a boss in our scenario. The boss sends the sluggard to go do a job and never hears from him again. And... So much so, this, this is such a repeated pattern that, that uh, you have a sluggard at work that the boss, when he does you know, have no other choice but to give this responsibility to the sluggard, it's like uh, he winces and chokes at, at the idea of, I got to get this job to this guy. I know it's not going to get done. I know I'm going to have to pick up the pieces. I know I'm going I'm to have to put it all back together and fix it. I know I'm going to have to probably do double work because I'm going to have to undo his mess and then do it right again. That's 
not the pattern. That's not the reputation you want at workmen. You want to be known for somebody who sees it all the way through, sees a job all the way through. You don't want to become like vinegar to their, your boss's teeth and like smoke to their eyes. You don't want to make him start to tear up when he thinks about giving you a job today. Right? That's, that's the imagery. So, a pattern of defeat and uh, a pattern of pride. Fourth, a pattern of pride. This is in the last verse of our, of our passage in Proverbs 26. Verse 16 says, A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can respond with a discreet answer. So here we see the sluggard is marked by pride. Marked by pride, unteachable. And even, even more than just unteachable, initially here, the, the point is that the sluggard is somebody who has a critical attitude. Have you ever known somebody like that, or is this you? Where, you know, you're too lazy, and somebody's too lazy to do the job, but loves to criticize when other people do the job. Do you know people like that? Or maybe that's you, where you're unwilling to, to, to do the work, but then when somebody else says, forget it, I'll do it, you criticize them for the work they did. This is what's being described here. You're wiser in your own eyes, and you're wiser than seven men who can respond with a discreet answer. The, the idea there is uh, their discernment or their judgment, their choice. And it's described here as seven men to symbolize perfection. Seven is a common number in the Bible to, to symbolize uh, the idea of perfection or wholeness. So you have seven men, have, they come together and, they, and they, they devise and they come up with a, a holistic, a, a good, complete, whole answer or choice or method to do, to do a task. And the sluggard, who was never part of the conversation and even passed up the opportunity to be part of the conversation, comes along later. Johnny come lately and says, oh man, starts picking it apart, why he would have done it this way or that way and why they didn't think of this part or that part. All the while, they, you know, it's like, well, you had your chance and you pass it up. So now you don't, have, you don't have a right, you don't have a place to open your mouth and criticize. You need to just be quiet at that point. So the sluggard is one who mocks the choices of others, believing he could have done better while himself not doing anything. And if that's how he treats others, then of course the, the, the logical conclusion is therefore the sluggard himself cannot be corrected. He's too busy criticizing and correcting other people's choices. There's no opportunity to correct him and his choices. So this is, a, this is an irrational pride. It's an irrational pride. And what happens is uh, that uh, you're avoided because of this. The way of the sluggard, Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the sluggard is as a hedge of thorns. 
but the path of the upright is a highway. So a few ways to understand this. One is that just the life of the sluggard is filled with difficulty and the life of the upright is straight and clear, right? It's you know, not many obstacles. But also, it, 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 what this communicates is that you don't, other people don't want to walk with the sluggard in his way, on his path. Rather, people would gravitate towards joining the path of the upright on the highway. And so the sluggard is left on his own by himself because he's made life hard for himself and everybody views you as what we call today toxic because you're a foolish sluggard. Now, this... Pride, this pattern of pride, it can just undo everything that you got going for you. Bruce Walkey says that laziness, which is being a sluggard, laziness or being a sluggard, it thwarts, it undoes talent, position, wealth, and power. What's that saying? It doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're too lazy, you're useless. It doesn't matter what position you have in the home or in the church or at work. If you're lazy, you're good for nothing. It doesn't matter how much wealth you have. If you were born with a silver spoon in your hand. If you're lazy, it's squandered. And it doesn't matter how much power you have. Whether it's physical power or power of influence, if you're too lazy, then you are rendered impotent. So it doesn't matter if you're talented, if you have a high position, great wealth, or tons of power. If you're lazy, it's all useless. It's all useless. It means nothing. The last pattern of the sluggard is uh, in Proverbs 6. If you would turn with me there, Proverbs 6, it's the uh, pattern of procrastination. A pattern of procrastination. Now, this is going to be, this is at the end of, of um, the, the passage where we look at the ant. So then, looking at the ant is for, from verse uh, 6 to uh, 8. And then, he, and then he responds to the sluggard in verse 9 to 11 uh, in uh, Proverbs 6. So Proverbs 6, verse 6 to, to 8, uh, tells us to look at the ant. And we're going to do that in the, in the second part of this. But uh, at, at the end of that, he turns back to the sluggard and he uh, rebukes and uh, calls to account the sluggard. So now, let's look at uh, Proverbs 6, 9, 9 uh, to 10. It says, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, if you'll notice, uh, at, in verse 10, there's quotation marks around it, right? Uh that is the answer of the sluggard 
to the, to the one that's asking the question in verse 9. So the wise man, as it were, asks uh, the sluggard, how long will you lie down, sluggard? How, when will you arise from your sleep? And then and it's as if uh, the sluggard, you can hear the voice of the sluggard from out the window, uh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. This is the pattern of procrastination, brothers. The pattern of procrastination. You see here, when, when the sluggard is asked for concrete times, concrete answers, concrete results, his only answer is, uh, in a little bit, in a little bit. He, and and it, this, is, this is sneaky, and I think this is why uh, we're, this is probably the one that most men are prone to, at least men that uh, claim to know Christ and are trying to obey him, this is probably the one where we uh, trip up the most because it's deceptive. Because notice, he's not just outright refusing to work, right? He, he's not just saying, no, 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 get out of here. I don't want to work today, right? It's not that. It's just, hold on, hold on a little longer. Let me press snooze one more time. He doesn't just completely refuse to work. And because he doesn't just say no, what happens is he slowly becomes deceived into thinking that he's not a sluggard. You see, because I ha I'm not saying no, I'm just not there yet. Or I haven't gotten to it yet. And you, and, and you start to believe the lie that you're not a sluggard, when in reality you are. You see, procrastination is the death of a thousand small surrenders to the flesh. Procrastination is the death of a thousand small surrenders to the flesh. It's just a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, a little longer break, a little longer sleep, uh, a little longer on my phone, a little longer on my games, a little longer uh, talking with somebody, uh, a little longer in my comfort zone. You see, uh, the reality here is that sleep, sleep is to the sluggard what... Uh, drugs and alcohol are to the addict. And I use that, I know addict is a loaded term. I prefer enslaved, but for the sake of you understanding what I'm talking about, I use that word. So sleep is to the sluggard what drugs or alcohol are to the one who's enslaved or addicted to drugs and alcohol. What is it? It's, what is drugs or alcohol to the addict, the so-called addict? It's an escape from reality. It's an escape from responsibility. In its essence, that's what it is. That's exactly what sleep and rest and uh, respite or leisure, just one more show, right? Just one more episode 
on, on whatever show I'm watching. All of whatever it is, whatever the, the leisure, whatever the, the quote unquote rest is for you, it's, 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 it's just as uh, wicked and irresponsible and, and potentially just as damaging as drugs or alcohol because it's a different enslavement. It's just a more socially acceptable one. You're still wanting to escape from reality. You're still wanting to escape from your responsibility and the reality of those responsibilities. It's just through rest or sleep or leisure. And the source of this is that the sluggard will not make up his mind to act. And there's no, there's no decision here, right? Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 25 to 26 says, The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. All day long he is insatiably craving, while the righteous gives and does not hold back. Here, the problem is the desire of the sluggard. He wants, he wants to do something, but he refuses to work. And so, he is satisfied with the desire. It says in verse 26, all day long he is insatiably craving. What does that mean? Literally, all day long, he desires to desire. He finds fulfillment in just wanting more. And there, I, I don't know a better concrete way of showing this in, than in our phones. Whatever you're scrolling through, whether it's social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever thing you're scrolling through, uh, I would encourage you to delete those from your phone, if not limit uh, your access to them and how long you can use them. Uh, don't you find that there's something about the scrolling, just the looking for the next thing that's going to excite you? Whether it's you know an inappropriate image or just something funny or some new, the new news article or the new video, whatever it might be, it might be you know some quote unquote good thing. Maybe it's a, a new podcast from your favorite guy or a new sermon or a, a new blog from your from your favorite author or whoever else. But the reality is that. Just in scrolling and just in searching and looking, uh, we know from studies that there's, there's all sorts of bodily reactions, and endorphins and, and, and all those things, all those chemicals that start firing off in the brain. And, and it, it all goes back to God knows us. He, he, he knows exactly how we're wired. What he's saying here is that there is this desire just to desire. Desire. 
and we feed on that desire. And so we're not really, on our phones, we're not really getting anything out of it, right? Have you ever put your phone down at the end of a night and said, what what was that for, right? What, what, What use was that? Have you ever done that? It's it's because you're just desiring to desire. You're just finding fulfillment in the search, in the endeavor, in the in the looking. Uh, But yet it's not fulfilling, and you know it's not fulfilling. You'll know it'll never be fulfilling. And that's why he says the desire of the sluggard puts him to death. Why? Because it's like a false food. You're taking it in. You're you're fighting this short, vain satisfaction in the desire, but it's empty. And you starve yourself, though you take it in. This is the, the, the evil and the wickedness and the deception of our sin, men. We need to be on guard against it and, and, and break these patterns. Now, as we close i just want to look at the first few verses in chapter six it's uh the ant and i think if we know what not to be right now we need to look at what we should be and it's in the ant and there's only three of these so this goes by pretty quick proverbs 6 verse 6 to 11 go to the ant o sluggard observe her ways and be wise which, having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. That's verses 6 through 8. Now, God tells us to look at the ant. Again, this is super humbling to tell a grown man to learn his life lessons from an insect. But here we are. May we humble ourselves to receive this teaching, even as God has written it into the fabric of creation. So first of all, uh, uh, three patterns of diligence that we are called to emulate. First of all, diligent understanding. Diligent understanding. Again, go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. So the words, there's three commands in this one verse. Go, observe, be wise. These, this, this threefold repetition of command is designed to, to like be like smelling salt and startle the sluggard out of his lethargy. Uh, go is the call to wake up and get out of our sleepy laziness, to snap out of it. He says, observe, and that is to take the time to think. Men, take the time to think, analyze your life, and how you can do better. The first step, which is repeated all throughout Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So that's step one. And then from there, seek first His kingdom and His godliness and His righteousness. Once you fear the Lord and have come to God in salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, your task is in all things to glorify God, to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Take time to think about how you can do that 
better. Observe. Observe from others. Look at other people in your life. Have godly men in your life that you can watch and see. What do they do? What do they do? And how can I be like that? Why do they do what they do? Get yourself around those men. Ask, ask them, can we hang out? Can I learn from you? Can we go through a book? Can I just come over for dinner? Can I have you over for dinner? I, I, I need to see this. Can, can I watch you do your Bible times with your family? I, I don't know what that even looks like. Observe and learn. This assumes that you believe that you can improve your thinking and your conduct in every way of life. The, th- the third command is be wise. And that is basically to call us to apply truth to our lives. Take the necessary steps to enact real and practical change. Men, you should be thinking about that tonight. You should write down one or two things concretely that you need to change in your life. I'm a sluggard in this area of my life. I follow this pattern uh, as I'm being a sluggard in this area of my life, and here's what I'm going to do to stop it. Here's what I'm going to do to change. You need to do that tonight. So, diligent understanding, also diligent eagerness. Diligent eagerness. That is uh, found in, in the seventh verse. Observe the ant, which, having no chief, officer, or ruler, and it goes on, basically, the ant does what it's supposed to do, right? It works, having no chief, officer, or ruler. That is, the ant has no need for anyone to force it to work. There's no need for anyone to tell it when to start in the morning, what task to accomplish during the day, or anything else. There's no dependence for the ant on external controls. There's just this innate wisdom to work diligently every day. There's this inner motivation just to get up and do the work. Now, what is is our inner motivation? Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather for men. So, if you're a sluggard for getting up and going to work, get up for Christ. Don't get up for a paycheck. Don't get up to support your family. Get up for Jesus. I mean, it's just that simple. You're, you go to work as an act of worship to your king. That's what you're doing. And when you're at work, it's priestly duties that you're fulfilling there. Because you're a representative. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a priest and a son of the Most High God wherever you go. And everything that you do is for Him. It doesn't matter how mundane your task at work is. So get up and do it for Him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It doesn't matter what what difficulty you have in front of you, what responsibility you're, you're, you're trying to get out of. Do it for the glory of God. So this should free you from, well, if I, do, if I stick my neck out, I'm going to look like a fool. Look like a fool. As long as God is exalted, be willing to look like a fool. Can you do that? 
in your times with your family, as, as you know you're supposed to be sitting down with your family and going through the Word of God with them. Or in your evangelism to your coworkers or your relatives. In both of those situations, to step out and do what you got to do, you're probably going to put your foot in your mouth. You're probably not going to do it perfectly. You're, prob- you're probably going to get snickered at or, or avoided, right? You're, you're probably going to get some criticism and some pushback. And you're not going to be the favorite person in the room. But that's fine. Be a fool for him. If he can get the glory out of that, then it's worth doing. Don't avoid the work. Uh, Ephesians 6, 5-7. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the integrity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So the idea is, at work, don't just work hard when the boss comes around. That's what it's saying. Not by way of eye service. That's what eye service is. You're just, you're just looking busy when, when, when you know the boss is around. No, you should be busy because Christ is your motivation. Because you're, you're working in the integrity of your heart as to Christ. You're not pleasing men, you're trying to please God. You want to be able to rest your head on your pillow at night and say, God, I did my best for you. It was full of faults and failures. I could have done better, but it was for you. And, and I honestly tried today. And he's delighted in that. It doesn't have to be perfect. He just wants you to try for him. To not be the sluggard. Uh, Third, diligent faithfulness. Diligent faithfulness. This again comes from Proverbs 6, verse 8. The ant, right, having no supervisor basically, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. And we we know what this means, right? When the summer months come, it's time for harvesting the grain. And the ant, you see here, she's already busy at work. The ant prepares and gathers the food while the food is available to it. It is diligent to work now before the winter comes when she is unable to work. And the ant somehow knows that the lean months of winter are coming. Therefore, it stores up the provisions now so that it does not have to die of starvation through those long winter months. There's an old Egyptian saying that says, whoever does not collect wood in the summer has no warmth in the winter. I think there's an American saying, uh, make hay while the sun still shines. I don't know what that means. It probably means something similar to that. The idea is there's a time to work, right? There's a time for rest. There's a time when you can work. There's a time when you just can't work. There's a time when you should work and a time when you shouldn't work. So when it's that time for work, Give it all you got, right? So that, so that the, the opportunity doesn't pass you by. So the summer months don't pass you by and you're left with no grain to show. Uh, Ephesians 5 gives us the same idea. Therefore, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The idea is make the most of today. And the context here is for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the name of Christ in the midst of a lost world, 
redeem the time, spread the gospel while it's still today, while it's, while it's still this side of eternity, while there's still an opportunity for people to repent and come to faith in Christ. Do it now. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Why? Because there is no working or explaining or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you're going. So he's saying, whatever you're doing, if it's, if it's, if it's uh, earning a paycheck, if, it, if it's working at your place of employment, if it's uh, leading your children, raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if it's investing into your wife and washing her with the word of God, if it's building friendships uh, based on uh, Christ and fellowship, the fellowship between believers, if it's serving in a ministry in your local church, if it's evangelizing those around you, the lost, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Why? Because those opportunities will not be there forever. You, you, you might not have that job forever. Uh, you, you might not, and you're not going to have your children forever. They're going to move out. There's an expiration date on your parenting, dads. Uh, with your wife, you want to invest in her and wash her with the word before she develops habits that are sinful and foolish and it's, and it's just difficult for the future. It's hard to uproot those. And with, with those that are around you, you need to reach them with the gospel because you don't know if they're going to live another day or if you'll live another day. And in the church, Romans twelve eleven says, not lagging behind in diligence, being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Don't lag behind in diligence. What does that mean? Lagging behind in diligence assumes that there are people in front of you, right? Because you're, it's, lagging behind is a relational term, right? In relation to others, I'm lagging behind. See? So in the church... Brothers, you shouldn't be comfortable, you shouldn't be content with other men in the church around you uh, growing and excelling in the things of God. Don't lag behind. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Be diligent. Don't get left behind. Don't fall behind. Uh, husbands, in, in your homes, uh, it's, it's a sad reality, but often the wife is more godly than the husband. Don't lag behind in your godliness in the home. You be the leader. Don't just put the spiritual responsibility of the home on your wife. Don't lag behind in diligence. Catch up and, and surpass her. Now, a final warning. A final warning, it, it wraps back around to what we looked at before. After looking at the ant, the, the, the wise man now turns again to the sluggard. Sluggard? The ant's out here working. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? How, when, when will you arise from your sleep? Then again, out of the, through the window, you hear the voice, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And the reply back, Sluggard, your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your want like an armed man. 
See, the, the final warning is uh, if you don't uh, shake off and put off the patterns of the sluggard and put on the patterns of diligence, which is the pattern of Christ. And we'll see that here in a moment. If you don't do that, then poverty and want will overtake you. It says poverty will come in like a vagabond. And want will, and want will come in like an armed man. What is he saying? Poverty and want tells us that you will, sim- you will not simply lack the luxuries of life, but even the necessities of life. So maybe why it's so difficult to make ends meet, maybe, maybe, is God is showing you, I don't owe you, I don't owe you uh, all of your bills paid off completely. I don't owe you a stress-free financial security. You need to work. You need to work hard. You need to be diligent. Now, he's your father and he's gracious. But sometimes he makes, it, he makes us sweat. Sometimes he puts us through discipline because we're his children. Because he wants more for us. He wants better for us. So sometimes even the necessities will be hard to come by. And he uses this in two ways. The vagabond and the armed man. The vagabond is a traveler, the wanderer. The vagabond is that one in a society who is always draining away the supplies of another. It's a slow drain. The armed man, on the other hand, takes what he wants from others by force. So whether it's by a slow drain or a sudden loss, if you don't uh, put off the patterns of the sluggard, you will certainly find yourself in need and sometimes even of necessities. So is that you? Is that you? Put off the pattern of the sluggard, brothers. Now, the supreme motivation is in Christ, so we'll close with this. John 4, 34 and 35. Jesus is our supreme example in everything, even in hard work, even in diligence. It's it's amazing. This is, this is, think of his whole life, and this, this is the character of his whole life, right? So it's not just one instance. It's, this is his pattern. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Notice the finish, the seeing it all the way through, how that's the opposite of the sluggard that we looked at before. And then, he, and then he brings up this harvest language, which is what Proverbs use in regards to the sluggard. He says, do you, not, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? He's saying, isn't that a common thing that people say? There's still four months and then the harvest, right? Let's not work now. I have time. Doesn't that sound like the sluggard? He says, Don't you, isn't that calm? Don't you say that? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. He's saying, no, no, no. Now is the time for work. Now is the time to seek first my kingdom and righteousness.
Now is the time. Don't say, oh, you know, I have time to get my life in order. I have time to you know, finish my schooling. I have time to get my career in order. Then I'll really be 110% out, you know, sold out for God. Uh, you know, that'll come in the future. I'll, when I retire, I'll really give him a lot of my time. No, Jesus says, don't talk like that. Don't think like that. Look around you. There is kingdom work to be done. There are lost souls around us, especially, that need the gospel of Christ. We must be making disciples of Christ. The fields are white for harvest, and now is a time to do the work. And Jesus says, that's why I'm here. That's why, even when you guys went to go get food, that's why I am still here working. That's even when I sit down to rest and have a drink of water by the well, I'm still doing kingdom work and evangelizing this Samaritan woman. That's the context. That's why I'm doing this. Why? Because I get so much fulfillment, so much satisfaction from serving my God. That's what he's saying, from serving my Father. Brothers, may we find the same fulfillment and satisfaction in all areas of life to do the will of God. If he tells you to work as unto him, he tells you to uh, work in your place of employment, work in your homes, and work in the church. He calls you to do all of those things for his namesake. All of those things are kingdom work. And all of those things we must, we must do diligently. All right? Well, let me pray. Well, next week or next month, we're going to be looking at the strange and the wise, the difference between the strange woman and the wise woman uh, in Proverbs should be an interesting time. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your guidance and your wisdom towards us. I pray, Lord, that we would take these things to heart and evaluate ourselves to see uh, if we are uh, showing some of these patterns of the sluggard. Help us, Lord, by your grace to put them off and to uh, replace them, Lord, with Christ-like diligence, Christ-like zeal. Lord, and, and faithfulness. Lord, help us to be busy uh, doing your work as, as Jesus was. Lord, he, he was content with not having a home, with not having a place to rest his head. He, he found so much satisfaction in, in serving you, Father. I pray, Lord, that we would find the same uh, fulfillment and satisfaction in our, in our own lives, that we would desire to get up each day and 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 to, and to, to explore and, and see, to set out on, on this great daily adventure of how we can make much of Christ in our lives. Lord, we, we thank you for the honor of representing you and honor for, uh, of living for you. We pray these things, these things in Christ's name. Amen. There's a couple books I'll leave up here. Um, Proverbs is, is really helpful for young men, young women. It's really practical and helpful for, your, for parenting. So if you're a parent, there's uh, a couple books up here. Uh, Proverbs for Parenting and then Practicing Proverbs. Practicing Proverbs is, is not necessarily a parenting book, but uh, it, and there, there's not much writing in them. It's basically what it is is it classifies all of the Proverbs into themes. Themes for parenting and themes for living. So if you're interested in that, it's kind of a, a quick cheat sheet. For if I want to learn about a topic about money, for example, there's a whole chapter with all the Proverbs written. 
uh, on money in it. And it's a really helpful resource. All right, so I'll leave these up here.